All right, so welcome everyone to Van City Health. Today we have Nicole Grishin, a recent graduate from UBC with a Bachelor's of Kinesiology, specializing in health science, who had quite a remarkable undergraduate career. She has an extensive volunteer history, such as being a project manager for Special Olympics BC, a physiotherapy assistant, and a research assistant at the UBC Cognitive and Motor Learning Lab and at Vancouver Coastal Health. She was also this past year's Kinesiology Undergraduate Society, or KUS, president, and is currently a lab coordinator at Fast Lab and a project assistant at BC Children's Hospital, about to begin the Master of Science in Kinesiology program at UBC this fall. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. And knowing you just graduated, like, how does it feel? You're, you're done your undergrad during COVID. What was that like? It's a bit of excitement and okay. also a little bit of like an anticlimactic feeling because yeah, you're like, oh, I didn't get my ceremony. But either way, I know I'm coming back to UBC, so I feel like my journey isn't really over. Right. So I still feel like the end hasn't come. Yeah. So it's a bittersweet experience, yeah. but I think it's mostly been a really good, good time. Gotcha. Did you do any like celebrations on convocation day? Not really. I had my family come over and uh, we all just watched the ceremony together. But a few weeks prior, I had um, family members from both my stepdad and my mom's side come over and we celebrated uh, all together. So that was like the bigger ceremony. Awesome. Good to hear. So we're really going to be focusing on your journey up -hmm. until this point. So we're going to go back to some of your volunteer experiences, starting with your work at Special Olympics BC. So how did you get involved with them? Essentially, I took a class and that class had presenters come in and speak about different uh, opportunities to get involved and so there was someone from Special Olympics that came and spoke about uh, what they do and what their you know motives are and everything like that and then a week after I had a work meeting and they had someone come from CECL which is Center for Community Engagement and Learning at UBC Um, and they were talking about all these really great grants that they had and uh, one of the grants was targeting communities that were underrepresented And it kind of just fell hand in hand. And I was like, wow, like the two and two go so well together. And so Special Olympics is an organization that works with individuals with intellectual disabilities, which, in my opinion, is a very underrepresented community uh, everywhere, not just here. So um, once I heard about the grant, I reached out to the same individual that came out and spoke in our classroom and I connected with her. And that's how I got involved, essentially. Great. I know you've also been awarded the UBC Chapman and Innovations Grant. So how does how does one get that or apply to it at least? Yeah, that's a good question. I never knew how extensive grant applications were until <laughs> yeah. I tried to apply to one. Gotcha. Um, essentially, the process can all be done online, but it's okay. the same breakdown as a normal grant application would be. Uh, there's no like requirements or anything like that besides working with a nonprofit organization that explicitly states that they are willing to work with you. Right. So you work with them and you put together the application and... Uh, the committee reviews it and then they get back to you and let you know, I guess, who wins or who receives the grants. I don't really right. know the proper saying, yeah. but a lot of work goes into applying for the grant because right. you have to really know the project inside and out and where mm-hmm. every like penny is essentially being spent. Gotcha. So, yeah. Gotcha. And you did all that by yourself. You didn't have like someone looking at the financials, someone looking at what you're doing. No, no? which is like definitely a mistake because I think I stretched <laughs> okay. myself a little too thin, but gotcha. um, it was a great experience. Fantastic. So what exactly did you do for uh, Special Olympics BC? I put together a project that we just called UBC times SOBC, which is okay. Special Olympics BC. Yeah. Um, and we created a project that tackled two initiatives, which was breaking down barriers for individuals with intellectual disabilities, right. while also creating leadership opportunities for them. So uh, essentially what we did is we created PE classrooms in elementary age 
like classes. And then we brought in athletes from Special Olympics BC and they led the, I guess, class. And they also spoke about what Special Olympics meant to them. And they also touched on the word inclusivity. Um, And we really spoke about that term and what it meant to be inclusive because a lot of what individuals with intellectual disabilities experience are exclusive actions. Gotcha. And, and what do you think, or what can you say, was the most rewarding uh, from your time with SOBC? I think the most rewarding thing is hearing from the students. I had students come up to me and say, I have, you know, a sister or a brother that have an intellectual disability. Right. And I've never felt comfortable speaking with someone about it. And these are like seven-year-old right. children. And the fact that they haven't explicitly told anyone because they feel ashamed, I think that's right. a huge thing in my eyes. And being able to allow them to speak about it was right. a huge success i think in that program itself gotcha and i'm curious one of our past guests was working with motion ball for the special olympics have you heard of that before yeah i've heard yeah. of is it is there any was there any crossover not for this project specifically but right. i worked with the kin games team yeah and we put together um, a bench ball tournament with motion right. ball and special olympics gotcha. uh, where we had athletes come out and yeah. participate as well fantastic is, was that a marathon of sport or just a, a side it was just like a side event. thing yeah okay cool so m- moving on how did you become a private physio assistant the very simple answer is i saw the opening online on gotcha. so the, it was a co-op no so no. Uh, a really cool thing about ubc kin is that they post job and volunteer opportunities on their gotcha. website and so i saw it through there and i was like why not get hands-on experience For with sure. something like this Gotcha. And what do you what did you do? What did you learn there? So I worked with someone who had a traumatic brain injury. So they lost a lot of mobility. And so a lot of it was just essentially relearning basic motor skills. So things like standing, moving arms and legs. Um, And so that's essentially what I would do. Gotcha. And, And did that experience make you consider the physiotherapy route at all? Um, truthfully, no. Okay. I think I always had my mindset on one thing and I okay. never really swayed from it. Gotcha. Very interesting. So what, what sorry, what is that one thing? Uh, I always wanted to go into medicine. Gotcha. Uh, so we'll see if that we'll happens. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> we'll get, we'll, we'll come back to that at the very, <laughs> a little later, but, uh, how do you become a research assistant at UBC and at Vancouver Coastal Health? The Vancouver Coastal Health position was technically within UBC as well because okay. it was in Detweiler Pavilion, which is a psychiatric I guess, unit or ward, part of the hospital. Um, And so I uh, found out about that position from another position that I had already attained at UBC in the Motor uh, Control and Learning Laboratory. And um, one of the professors on that project was also a supervisor on this one. And so he told me about it and I applied and one thing led to another and I got on that. Yeah, very interesting. So would you say that you're, you know, having those early opportunities in your undergrad career Obviously, you got to network. Mm-hmm. Obviously, very worth it for, for any of the younger students listening to this. Oh, yeah, 100%. Gotcha. And as a research assistant, did you get to learn, uh, sorry, did you learn or get to do anything unique that you didn't expect a typical research assistant would would, would do? Um, I think every position that I've held within research has been so different that it's hard okay. to really answer that question. Gotcha. But um, I think it's really neat to see what the differences are in each project and what you get to do because it varies from essentially thesis to thesis right yeah so what were the projects that you were researching on if you can talk into yeah no of course so one of the coolest projects that i got to work on was with a master's student and she was examining the effects of being born preterm and the effects of that on motor development and so it was really interesting to see kids age four to six and see how 
being born premature affects them. And so right. we used a TGMD, which is the gross motor development score table cool. to do that. Um, and another really cool one that I did was uh, working with um, a control group, but essentially it was a study that was examining the effects of exercise on schizophrenic individuals. Interesting. Yeah. Do you speak to the results of that at all? Uh, it's not published <laughs> okay, yet, but gotcha. it's in the process. Noted, yeah. noted. Something to look forward to then. Yeah. So, you know, I, after having these, these uh, experiences doing research, did, you know, this make you consider uh, a purely research-based career route? I've definitely considered it. And I think that's a huge reason as to why I chose to do my master's, because I think you only get a little bit or a little touch of it in your undergrad and you yeah. can really get the full experience doing a master's. 100%. From the perspective of the last KUS president, would you say you have a pretty good idea of what UBC offers to support its kin students' career development in the healthcare field? I think I do have a really good understanding. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so we're, we're going to dig into this a little bit here. Uh, for potential early year students listening, what resources can you list off? So co-op clubs, I'll let you go on from there. I think in terms of resources, there's definitely co-op within KIN, but there are other ways to get involved in terms of finding jobs, like right. a work-learn position at UBC, which is really great if students don't know about that. Yeah. Another great thing you mentioned was clubs. Um, we have clubs days at UBC, especially on the very first day. There's just like a right. whole lineup of them. Yeah. Another really great support uh, system, I guess, is the KUS itself. And we have KPAC, which is Kin Peer Academic Coaching, yeah. as well as a brand new Campus Connections program, which essentially pairs older students with first-year students and helps them with that transition. And then, of course, Kin Advising is a really great support system because they really help you with your courses and your academics. Right. Um, but there are so many different resources on campus that students can turn to that you, I'm sure you can find something for anything. Gotcha. Were you were you a part of the mentor program at all? Yeah. So someone came up to me and wanted to run it last year, and so okay. we put it forth. And it was its first year in September when I wasn't the president. So oh, okay. So it's really it's relatively yeah. New. It's brand new. Okay. That's <laughs> awesome though. That's um, kind of got to jumpstart that. Looking back at your uh, undergrad career in hindsight, was there anything that you wish you did during your undergrad that you, you know you think would have helped you um, on your career track right now? I think personally speaking, taking a greater variety of courses, mm -hmm. I was always very stuck on doing medicine and kind of going into the health sciences, which is still what I want to do. But right. I think being able to take courses in different uh, realms and different faculties really gives you a better understanding of what your true passions are. Right. And so looking back, I did 90% uh, in kin and the other like 10% were all science classes. Gotcha. So. Yeah. Interesting. So do more electives. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> On a general high level, do you have any other tips for UBC students studying KIN right now that um, are looking to get in the healthcare field? Um, I think that they should just not be afraid to reach out to professors if they see mm. an opportunity. I think it's always scary for any student, yeah. but the nice thing about KIN is it's been such a great community where everyone has been so welcoming, including right. the profs. So I would say don't ever hesitate. If you have a question or for if sure. you want to work with them, just reach out to them. Gotcha. I think that's just a very undervalued, amazing tidbit right there. <laughs> I know going back, I think I started becoming just overall just more successful and getting to know people. And even in my courses, the more I talk to professors, and I think especially in your first and second year, you're nervous. Like you're in a classroom of you know hundreds of people. Who talks to the professor? Who actually goes to the office hours? But then you realize the people that do go to office hours, they're doing better. They're getting more connected. But now going on to, to, to what you're doing now, can you describe your two current positions at Fast Lab as a project assistant and at BC Children's as a research assistant? Yeah, so um, I'm working for the Fitness, Aging, and Stress Lab right now, which okay. is 
Fast Lab at UBC, yeah. and I've been helping out with a new study that we or they have just launched, and I'm helping out with it. It's called the COPE trial, right. so the COVID-19 pandemic exercise trial. So we're trying to see if introducing physical activity and exercise will help with the stress and well-being and health of individuals. Considering COVID has definitely left us very sedentary, yeah. uh, this is a really great project. And I'm also doing some other side projects as well. Gotcha. Can you speak to those? Right now, I'm just doing some literature reviews on uh, essentially acute exercise, which is a a term or like a topic that hasn't been studied all that often. A lot of research focuses on chronic exercise. So doing something with acute exercise has been really interesting to understand how limited the knowledge has been. But it's been a really great opportunity so far. And then my children's or my yeah children's hospital opportunity has kind of been a span over like a year and a half and I'll be doing my master's out there so I've just been helping out with small things here and there and the biggest thing that I've been working on is a a return to movement guide for children who have undergone a heart transplant because currently there's no strict guidelines as to like when you can start doing physical activity so we're trying to pinpoint what that looks like and how long do these projects usually last that's a good question. Yeah. I feel like they vary from like a few months to right. a few years. The project that I've been working on at Children's Hospital has definitely, it's been over a year, but this COPE trial, we're obviously hoping to have it finished as soon as we can, right. but you never really can predict timelines with research because it depends on how interested individuals sure. are. So, yeah. It seems like you're really interested, so I can't really wait to see <laughs> how this, how, how those projects kind of pan out. But I want to bring back, you know, your route. And, you know, you said you wanted to go into medicine. And after talking with more people going wanting, also wanting to go into the medicine route, it is pretty rare for someone to go from undergrad straight to and apply to a med program. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's becoming more common practice to get a master's before going in or even getting two masters b- before applying to a program, especially like at, at UBC's, which mm-hmm. is um, quite prestigious. So what led you to choose a master of science and kinesiology program at UBC? I think the very simple answer is I really enjoyed what I was researching, which was mostly based in physiology. Right. And I wasn't 100% certain that medicine was what I wanted to do, although I did apply. And I knew that I felt very comfortable in the environment in the environment that I was applying to. And right. it was uh, with really great individuals who I knew would support me. Yeah. So altogether, I just knew that there was no doubt in my mind that that was a program I wanted to apply to. Gotcha. Did you apply both to this um, Master of Science program and med school? Yeah, so I applied to a variety of med schools this okay. year and last year. And last year I did get into one uh, not in Canada. And so it was like a quite yeah, tough decision to really make if I wanted to stay here and finish my undergrad or right. go to med school. And I am very glad well, that I made the decision, but yeah. it was not an easy one to make. Wait, you could have just not finished your undergrad and start studying medicine elsewhere? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I did <laughs> not know you could do that. Uh, I thought you had to have had a degree. You can do it here at UBC as well. If you, okay. um, yeah, you don't have to finish your undergrad. Are there certain course requirements? Um, you have to attain at least ninety credits, I believe. But okay. other than that, it's pretty doable. Why not choose the MKIN program, or the um, Masters of Kinesiology, for just uh... the MKIN is a great program if perhaps you're looking for a shorter timeline or okay. you're not wanting to do research because the mm-hmm. MKEN is solely based on courses. Right. So um, that wasn't what I wanted to do. I did really want to focus on research and the MSc is a thesis-based master's, which right. is exactly what I wanted to do. Right. And so considering what my passions were, I just knew that the MSc was a better choice for me. Gotcha. And how long is uh, the MSc program? The MSc is around two years. Obviously, okay. it's uh, sometimes it takes a bit longer depending on the project, right. but normally it's two. 
Gotcha. For someone that didn't want to go into medicine, but wanted to do get their MSc. What type of jobs can you get with an MSc in Kin? I think the answer is like almost everything you set your mind out to, I feel like you could get. Obviously within reason, of course, there are requirements. But uh, some of the bigger jobs I would say are like clinical or exercise physiologists. So you can work in hospitals. You could always go into do your PhD. You could work as a lecturer at colleges. And the list kind of goes on. It really depends on where your interests are. I know people who have ended up working for nonprofit organizations. Hmm. So sometimes your MSc or even your undergrad de- degree doesn't really define the work you end up doing for the right. rest of your life. Gotcha. Oh, definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, definitely not undergrad too. And if you remember, what were the requirements uh, to get into the MSc program? The requirements were essentially just attaining at least a 76% average okay. and an 80% in your last year or something like that. Um, So they weren't super strict and there weren't any specific courses. Um, One thing to mention with MSc is that you definitely should know the individual that you're applying with. Um, A lot of the application is based on the supervisor. Um, So if you don't have a supervisor, uh, you probably won't be able to get into the program. Have you thought about what the next steps are after you finish um, the MSc program? Um, definitely. Um, I don't know what the answer is right now because yeah. I feel like I don't really know what the MSc will entail. Right. I've always told myself that if I'm not going to go and be an MD, that I'm going to do my PhD. I love learning and yeah. I think the more that I know, the better. And um, I think that if I really enjoy the MSc and the research component of it, I will probably go on and do a PhD right. while also write the exam to be like a physiologist and right. be licensed for that. So that's kind of where my my mindset is right now. Medicine is definitely right. still there, but I think it's a bit on the back burner at this moment. Gotcha. And obviously, you know, things happen, life, life happens. I'm sure you maybe at a completely different spot and you know, when you're finished. So uh, good to know. But just going back to that, the inspiration behind, you know, going into medicine, like where, where did that come from? Or where did that passion come from? It's interesting because I was just reading my diary from when I was 10 years old. And in there I wrote that I wanted to be a doctor. Um, But I think a lot of it stems from seeing my parents who are both nurses. Um, They work in different departments. But uh, hearing them talk about science or, you know, helping individuals and seeing what they do on a day to day basis was something that I personally thought was very intriguing. And obviously taking courses that you talk about physiology and anatomy. And I was like, wow, this is mind blowing. Right. Um, So the two and two together, I, I kind of always wanted to do medicine. For, for any of the students that are, you know, in their third and fourth year that are considering, you know, should I do a master's? Do I want to go into med school? But I just don't have enough experience, which is a very common case for so many people. Mm-hmm. What would you say? Because I know a lot of people will think, I'll just graduate. And I'll get the experience later. What opportunities would, would you tell them to, to really take advantage of while you're in school? Um, I think it's never too late to try something, and especially with the KIN program at UBC, they've just established some new directed studies, which allows students to do some more research while they're in their undergrad. Um, And I think there's a lot of worry that when you're in your fourth year, you're kind of done and there's not much else. However, that's not the case. You can keep doing whatever you want to do, including volunteering and work, even when you're done. So I think it's just being open to new opportunities and not being afraid to just go after them is what I would say in your third and fourth year. And then can you speak to one final thing, which is, I know you said, you know, when you were applying to med programs, there are obviously some that you didn't get into in Canada uh, that you're hope, potentially hoping for. When you, you know, got the letter that said, you know, you weren't accepted, how did you overcome that hurdle and really, you know, focus in on, on getting that MSc and then, you know, leaving these doors open in the future and not just giving up on yeah. it? 
it was really hard in the beginning. I'm not going to sugarcoat that because this is something that I've worked my entire life for. But I think with time and speaking with different professors and speaking with the exercise physiologist at Children's Hospital who really helped me understand that there is so much out there and that you can really put your passions into very different, you know, types of careers right. and that medicine is not the only way for me to do what I love. Yeah. And I think having those conversations with those people and having the support of my family altogether, I overcame that. And I was like, you know what? There are so many other things that I could do that I could love that I don't even know are out there. For sure. I think just to expand on that, a lot of people, not only in the healthcare field, especially mm-hmm. in the business field where it's I have to work for this company or have to work in this profession or else yeah. I'm a failure. <laughs> I think it's a, a little exaggerated, but that is really the mindset of a lot of you know students. And you know, for anyone listening to this, when you look at that profession, that career, one part, um, some people end up getting it and they realize they absolutely hate it yeah. <laughs> or potentially hate it like, down the road. It really didn't fulfill them. Um, so it's a really good idea to, to figure out what your values and what your passions are. Like, what do you enjoy doing? Like, at its core, if your plan A doesn't work, how can you still fulfill those passions and values and still enjoy what you're doing, but not necessarily in that position? How can you find it in, in something else? And it's it's absolutely fantastic that you you know found and you research on the projects and the people you're working with. It, it's so interesting that, that you... You, you went that route, um, you overcame those hurdles. And honestly, it's great to hear that you have a great support system um, getting over that because I know a lot of people get crushed um, when they yeah. when their plan A doesn't happen for them. And it's just a struggle to, to think of what's next, especially when you're graduated. And you're like, oh, oh yeah. you have all the people asking me, what's next? <laughs> what's next? Like, where are you going to work? Are you going to move out soon? <laughs> like yeah. um, all, all those questions. But uh, no, super inspiring story. Super excited to, uh, to see where you're going to end up at. Otherwise, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me.